So last week, last week we talked about the life of Isaac and kind of the rise of Isaac as the as the next kind of leader and patriarch or whatnot. And so Isaac then marries Rebecca and they have kids. And remember there's two kids, it was Jacob and it was Esau. And Isaac favored Esau and Rebecca favored Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, so he was supposed to get all the birthright and the blessing and be the next kind of patriarch after Isaac died. But if you guys remember, um, Rebecca and Jacob devised this plan to basically fool Isaac in his later years that Jacob's actually Esau and give him the blessing instead. So Isaac does this, he blesses Jacob. So Jacob now is going to become the next kind of patriarch, big ruler that we talk about in the Bible as far as the family life continues. And so the next part of Genesis, it focuses a little bit on Esau, but almost entirely it's about the life of Jacob. So we moved from Abraham to Isaac to now we move to Jacob. So we have Abraham, Isaac was Abraham's son, Jacob is Isaac's son, okay? So now we're going to focus on the life of Jacob. So it starts here in verse 28, and it says, I'm sorry, chapter 28, and it says, Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And back then, Canaan was a really corrupt city, and a lot of times they tried to avoid Canaan and tame not women and men because they were not living the right way. And so it says, Arise and go to Hadam Aram, the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. <clears throat> so back then, family life was a lot different than what it is today. Today, you're probably looking at it and saying, oh, it's a little bit, little bit weird. Uh, but if you look at it back then, his father tells him that I want you to go to this land. And yeah, basically, I want you to take a wife from the daughters of Laban, which is your mother's brother. So... Yeah, it's like basically marry one of your cousins. You're going to take care of them. Uh, and you're going to be like their king. Yeah, so you're going to be like a, a king's member redeemer. So back then, like I said, family life was a lot different. The rules and laws were a lot different. Once the earth started populating and filling more people, then God made new laws and said, hey, this is, don't do this anymore. You know, marry somebody outside your family. But back then, it was okay to marry family. It was even encouraged. And so he goes to this land. And he travels to this land. And as he's going out to this land, he meets Rachel, okay? And Rachel is the daughter of Laban. And he sees her, and he's like, wow, this girl's really pretty. I like her. You know, this would be a good girl to marry. Uh, I think I could do this. And then um, he meets her. He meets her. He meets her older sister, which is Leah, which is Leah, okay? So there's two daughters of Laban. One is Leah, and one is Rachel. So and it even says in the Bible, which I think is kind of funny, that Rachel is like good looking on the eyes, but Leah's not so much. And I thought it was kind of funny, like, dang, the Bible kind of really called her out there. But um, so Leah's not very attractive. Rachel's real attractive, okay? Oh, is it, is and, it like the prettiness in the inside? And so, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so unfortunately, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't look to the inside very often. Uh, Jacob just sees the outside appearance. It's like, hey, I'm going for the Rachel. Um, but back then, the custom was that you married the oldest daughter off first, and then you married kind of on down. And so Jacob tells Laban, I'll work for you for seven years for free. I won't, I won't cost you anything. I'll work seven years for free if I can marry Rachel, not Leah. And so he, he agrees to this, and he says, okay, Jacob, you'll work for seven years with no pay, basically do free labor for him for seven years. Huh? 
Yeah, this is like an indentured servant. And um, I'll give you Rachel and you can marry her and start your life together. So Jacob agrees to this and starts working for Laban. And it says in the Bible that it seemed like it was no time at all because he loved Rachel so much and he just really cared for this woman. And so he was willing to do whatever it took to, to marry her. So this is where we're going to pick up our story today. Because if you guys remember the, the deception that Jacob pulled on Esau, his older brother, this is what, right? Think about this in the back of your head. So not long before this happens, Jacob fools his dad into giving him Esau's blessing and basically fools Esau into giving him his birthright. So Jacob is pretty deceptive himself um, and, and so far hasn't really caught up to him. So, so, so far, so far, you know, Jacob has gotten away with all his deception and he's become, you know, the next kind of patriarch. He's about to marry what he thinks is you know, the perfect wife. And he's like, hey, you know, all this lying and stuff is going pretty good for me. Things are going pretty well. But God's about to kind of twist the script a little bit and kind of give a taste of his own medicine. This was pretty funny. Okay, so let me, let, me, uh, let me read you guys off what it says here. You guys will be pretty shocked at this. Okay. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled. So this is at the end of the seven years, okay? And he's about to hopefully marry Rachel that I may go into her. And Laban gathered together all the men, just ignore that part. Uh, <laughs> then Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. So basically they're gonna have this kind of wedding ceremony. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, not Rachel, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob and he went into her instead. So yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, one, if, were, if one was really pretty and one was not, how did he not know the difference? But apparently at that time, the way they had this custom set up is they had this whole kind of wedding ceremony and celebration, and it was a good little time. And then at nighttime, I guess the guy would go into the room, and then the dad would, would put the daughter in afterwards, but it was dark, he couldn't see anything, so he just assumed it was Rachel, but it was actually Leah. <laughs> it's messed up. And so, yeah, listen to what the Bible says. It's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, can you imagine like the next morning? Like, oh, freak. <laughs> um, so listen here. So this is how Jacob's going to experience this. And it says, it, it said, uh, and Laban gave his maid uh, Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. So this is important to note here. It's kind of a side note, which will come into play later. Back then, if you're really wealthy and well off, when you gave your daughter to somebody to, to marry, sometimes you also gave her one of your servants as like a maid to help her and her husband in the new life. So basically, he gives uh, one of his servants to Leah. Um, and so continuing on here, it says, So it came to pass in the morning, and behold, it was Leah, not Rachel. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, it must have been done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one, one also for the service, which you will serve me another seven years. So think about, so Jacob, um, Laban tells Jacob, look, I know I did something bad to you there. It wasn't necessarily the best idea. But in our country, you know, we have to give the older for the younger. Now, the thing is, he had seven years to tell Jacob this and to let him know that, hey, I'm not going to actually give you Rachel. But Laban deceived Jacob the same way Jacob deceived Esau and Isaac back in the day. 
he, yeah, so he switches them out. And then instead of just giving um, Rachel instead, he says, you work another seven years for me. I'll let you marry Rachel as well. Back then they could have multiple wives, so it was a little different. Um, which I'm not sure why the siblings would want to do that, but I guess it was okay. Um, and so um, this is what he agrees to. So I want you guys to think about this. You know, up until now, up until now, you know, all this lying and deception and things like that never really caught up to Jacob. Nothing really bad happened to him. But now all of a sudden this dramatic event happens and it's kind of like, well, you kind of deserve this because you, you did the same kind of thing to your brother. And what you'll see is now he ends up marrying Rachel as well in the same week. So very bizarre. And um, so now he's married to these two women. But he also gives uh, Rachel a servant. And the servant he gives Rachel is... Uh, Bill Hop, Bill Hop, and listen. So back then, the custom was again: if you were the servant of the wife, you also served the husband as the family. And so, if the husband wanted to reproduce with you, or the wife asked you to, then you would also. So basically, he marries four women in a week. Is what happens. Later on, he does. Yes. Um, and so it's a very <laughs> Jacob's not the best person. Um, again, Jacob is not the most godly example. Um, but <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was the first pimp in the Bible. <laughs> um, and so, um, so I want you guys to think about this, though. Same thing is kind of true in our life today. When you're lying and deceiving and things like that, you may get away with it for a long time and things go well, but eventually it catches up to you one way or another. And eventually when it does catch up to you, most of the time it's a really bad deal. So that's why, you know, God tells them not to do this. And this is a bad thing to do. And Jacob kind of ignores, you know, the commands of God and how things were built. And so eventually, you know, in a way, God kind of gives him a taste of his own medicine and lets this happen. And so he ends up marrying Rachel. And this is what's really funny, though. So God, it actually says in the Bible that Jacob hates Leah. He, he, like he, he dislikes her so much that he hates her. And Leah's the, the one that's not as attractive. And so this is a, yeah, so this is, so this is obviously pretty bad for Leah. And think about this, back in the day, if you were a woman back then, you didn't really necessarily get to choose who you're going to marry. Your parents would say, hey, you're going to marry this person or this person. And so her dad just kind of chunked her in that night, you know, and threw her in the fire. And so now she's married to a person that really doesn't love her and doesn't really care for her. And now she says he hates her. And so God looks at this and says, and says, well, this is not right for Leah. This is not, this is all, it's not her fault that this happened. And, you know, she doesn't deserve to be hated like that. Even though she's not as attractive on the outside, that shouldn't matter. There should be a lot more substance involved than just her outside appearance. And so God actually opens her womb and not the womb of Rachel for a long time. So she starts producing kids with Jacob while Rachel doesn't. She can't produce any kids. Um, so... This is obviously going to cause a lot of um, division and sibling conflict. But the reason God does that is because he looks at Leah and says, hey, you still deserve to be happy. You still deserve something good in your life. And you, you got put in this bad situation, so I'm still going to bless you through it. I think there's a good message there for our own lives, too, that sometimes things are going to happen to us that are outside of our control that we can't help, we can't control. But God still cares about you. He still, looks, he, he still is looking over you. And God will still use your bad situations for something good in the future if you give it to him.
And if you, if you trust in him. And, and, and you go through the scripture here in Genesis. Leah does trust in God. She puts her hope in him. And God continues to bless her through that. So although Jacob never really comes around to loving her and treating her the way she's supposed to be treated, God still blesses her in that bad situation. And she produces several kids that grow on to be leaders in, in their own right. And so the last, the last part, the last son that Leah has... Um, before it gets a little bit hairy here, is and she says this, she says, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me, which uh, she thinks that the more kids she has, the more he'll love her, ends up not really happening. She conceived again and bore a son and said, because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me the son also, and she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name should be called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son. And, this, and she said, and this time, instead of, after the fourth son she bore, instead of saying, okay, now my husband will love me, she's basically already given up on that mindset. And this point, she's just praising God because she knows that, you know, she didn't deserve to be in the situation, but yet God's still blessing her through it. And so instead, she calls this son um, Judah and says, this time I will praise the Lord. And she sees bearing. Okay, now listen to this, okay. So I want you guys to think about this. Now here's where the word like patterns can come into play. This is what's pretty fascinating. So if you remember Sarah, way back in the day, which was his grandmother, okay. This is Jacob's grandmother. She was barren. She couldn't bear kids for a long, long time, okay. It took her until she was way, way up in the years until she could give birth. So the same kind of pattern now is continuing in Rachel. You know, he, 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 Jacob, in his mind, his mindset is that I'm going to marry Rachel and we're going to have kids and this is how it should be done. But yet she's barren as well because it's not God's plan at first. Now, after, after a while, I want you guys to think about this. Rachel can't bear kids. Leah's already produced four sons for Jacob. There's a jealousy involved there. There's two different jealousies involved. Rachel is jealous of Leah because she has all these kids with Jacob, uh, and then at the same time, Leah is jealous of Rachel because Jacob actually loves her and cares for her. So think about what happens here. The same kind of sibling rivalry that happened with Jacob and Esau is now happening with Leah and Rachel. So all this deception and lying is just coming full forward, and now Jacob's getting exactly what he did with Esau, just in a little bit different context. And so um, just like Sarah did with Hagar, she gives her servant to Jacob and says, hey, why don't you go sleep with her? And if you have this kid, it'll basically be like my kid with you. And we'll kind of, we'll produce that way. And Maggie's like, wow, this is real bad. Um, and so she actually makes a comment says, give me children or I shall die. Not only is she desperate to become a mother, she meets her sister Leah, who has already born four sons to Jacob. And Jacob loves Rachel more. Um, but he rightfully corrects her that God alone is the giver of children. It's not his fault he can't give her children. So in response to her infertility, Rachel follows the unfortunate example of Jacob's grandmother, Sarah, and she gives her own servant woman to Jacob as a wife. By customs of the time, now think about this, back then the time, any children born to that servant would have been considered those of the wife. So it would have counted technically, but obviously it's not really her son. So Belias soon bears Jacob two sons, Rachel's sons by proxy. Rachel names the boys for her circumstances and feelings at the time that they were born. Now, at the same time, 
Leah stopped becoming pregnant. She gets jealous that all of a sudden Rachel starts having kids. So then she gets her servant to Jacob and says, hey, why don't you sleep with her so I can start having more kids again? And then he does that. He has start, he starts having kids with the servant. So now he's basically has kids with four different women that he's kind of married to kind of weirdly. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, so, but now what you guys think about this, God did promise that Jacob would have offspring you know, as much as the dust on the, on the earth or the sand of the sea. And so this is true. He's producing the kids like crazy. It's just happening not necessarily how it should. So now listen to this, though. Uh, listen to this. So their conflict between Leah and, and Sarah, I'm sorry, Leah and Rachel, flares to the surface when, when Leah's son Reuben brings home some rare mandrake plants he has found. Now mandrakes, these plants back then, were called to help with arousal and infertility. Weird. Um, so when Rachel asked Leah for the plants, likely hoping they would get, help her get pregnant, Leah lashes out at Rachel that she has taken her husband, and she takes the plants as well. So Rachel, apparently desperate, offers Leah one night, sleeping with Jacob in exchange for the plants. Um, so she's... Like an organic version of Yeah, basically. And so Rachel helped... Rachel, because she was the more loved wife, she had great power with the relationship. And so they exchanged this. Uh, Rachel starts producing her kids of her own now. Uh, one of them ended up being uh, Joseph. Um, so that's, that's an important point to note in the back of your mind. And then uh, Leah also starts producing again as well. So they just have tons of kids. The descendants are starting to spread everywhere. And, and this is kind of where we're going to get to the next point here leading up to Joseph's life. It was several years that this happened. Yeah, it wasn't a, a quick process. And, um, <laughs> and then um, after this, uh, after he serves, Jacob serves the seven years, just to kind of close here, after Jacob serves seven years with Laban, he, um, uh, Laban says, hey, you've done such a great job. I'm wealthy. we got all these kids running everywhere and, you know, all these nations that are going to form. He's like, this is going great for me. Why don't you like, continue to work for me and just name your wages? And so basically, um, the story goes that Jacob uh, tells Laban that I'll work for you and any of the cows uh, that are speckled, I'll keep, and you keep the rest of them or have spots on them. And God works this magical way uh, that all these cows start becoming speckled and spotted. And so Jacob becomes extremely wealthy uh, and has all kinds of wealth and possessions and livestock. And then he flees from Laban and, and kind of starts his own life. He just, well, so they have, there's obviously, even today, there's some cows that have spots and stuff, some that are just plain. He just told Laban that I'll take the spotted ones, you take the plain ones. That was his, like, wages for working, in a sense. But they're all the same, right? They're all the same. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just. Yeah. <laughs> so he ends up becoming very wealthy and ends up kind of starting his own life and flees from Laban. But the point of the story I want you guys to just understand here is that, when you're doing something your own way and doing something lying and deceitfulness, eventually it's going to catch up to you. And when it does, it doesn't just hurt you. It also hurts all those involved in the party. You know, see, Jacob's lie 
ends up catching up with him with Laban. But see, then all of a sudden, it wasn't just Jacob that was affected. It was Rachel. It was Leah. It was all their kids that probably watched us growing up and had always, you know, this family that's just of disaster and conflict for a while. It also probably affected Laban and all those in the area. Yeah, it affected the servants in a major way. Yeah, so you think about this with children, if they start to become teenagers and stuff like this, and they've seen this mom and dad, or mom and moms and moms and moms and moms and dad, like all that like conflict with each other growing up, you know, this is obviously going to affect them in certain ways as well. And so in your own life, think about, you know, all the times that you think, oh, this little while won't really affect anybody, or if I deceive this person, it won't really make a difference. It may not for a time. But eventually those things catch up to you. When they do, it doesn't just hurt you. It also hurts all those involved and all those around you. And the longer that lie continues, the bigger that lie is, the more dramatic it is, the worse that effect happens. And so just think about that in your own life today. You know, be honest with people. Do things the way God's calling you to. Don't rush things like these wives in the Bible that couldn't have kids. They're like, well, I'll just give my servant instead and don't have kids with them. You know, don't rush God's plan. Eventually, God did open both Sarah and Rachel's wombs, and they had kids of their own. If they were just waited, this would have happened. And so in your own life today, sometimes we have to rush God and say, well, God, why can't it happen now, now, now? Well, God has a bigger plan if you just wait and trust him. And if you rush things, things are going to get messy, things are going to get hairy, and things aren't going to go the way they should. So... Um,